Greetings to our podcast audience. You are uh, tuned in to another episode of the CCC Podcast. How's Hello. It going? We look different. I don't know if y'all noticed, we look different. I was going to say. Mean, we don't personally look different, no. but we look different. I was going to say, I feel much closer to you, and I don't mean emotionally. Nope. No, that's good. That's yep. good. Like but- ever. <laughs> <laughs> we are hunched over our microphones. Yeah, we're we trying to trying to be better at. You could raise yours. You know, I don't yours want has to. an adjustment, like and hunched. his has an adjustment. Mine is intentionally where I have to bend over. Huh? You just kind of unscrew that little thing there. Okay, I, I won't do not it now. that. This I don't want to do that's that. That's the most riveting way to start a podcast, right so, there. But yes. we, we're still distanced. We, we, we can't are, touch each we other. We don't have any conversations before we start this. We're all sequestered <laughs> in different rooms. We walk on, we start recording, and then whatever comes out apparently is what's going to happen for the beginning of our. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. There's so, the, that's a sheet of paper right there where somebody has talked talk about things. About. Yeah, yes. this is what we're going to talk about. And, and so I will start by saying. Uh, we are almost to a thousand. We're getting closer, we're getting closer oh. and closer and closer. So, if you have not yet hit that subscribe button on YouTube, what are you waiting for? Yeah. In fact, I just <laughs> waiting for one good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Give me something worth subscribing to. One good podcast, and I'm with you. But here's the deal. I did just finish, like literally a few hours ago, listening to a podcast that talked about how. Uh, how uh, much happier it makes you when you do something for other people. When you do something, and I'm thinking, happiness is one button away. You could click that button, do something for us, and it's going to make you happier. I like it. I like it. I've been told that one of the things we will get, just because it has a cool name, I don't know what it is. We will have Super Chat unlocked. Super, Super Chat! chat. <laughs> that will be fun. He's been locked away. <laughs> <laughs> Hidden from us. We can unleash Super, Super Chat. chat. Woo, Super Chat. <laughs> now I really want to get to 1,000. Please hit that button. There we want Super thing, Chat. I just want to see what Super Chat is. That will... And it's probably nothing. It's probably, it's probably, it's probably nothing, nothing, nothing that we it's want. Okay, chat. Now, <laughs> people can post, now people can post gifs in the chat on Sunday mornings on our live service. That so great. Super chat. Maybe we don't want super no, chat. Let's not so. have that happen. All right. Well, today uh, we're going to start off uh, different than we did last week. Uh, this week we do have a listener question. Hey. Oh, good for you. I'm going to start with I a listener hope the question. the person is still listening. <laughs> Me yes. too. Yeah. Yes. Because this is a pers- personal listener question. Oh. This is oh. this is different. Uh, this one's well. not about the Bible for once. Okay. Don't okay. Sc- so we won't screw that up. We, no, that's yeah. right. We'll just screw this that's person right. up. Yeah. All right, here's what they want to know. Uh, this person says, I've not been to a counselor, but I very much need to. <laughs> well, that's good to that's know. Really that's really a good, good record. That's great. I mean, that's, that's a big step a lot of people don't get to. Exactly. Absolutely. Most everybody probably who's watching this could need Yes. <laughs> you also need to go see a counselor. <laughs> We've all been. Yes, we yes. have. Okay. Absolutely. And so, uh, and they said they have decided to go to one. So, good. Good for uh, you. So their question is, when they've been reading through the credentials on different counselors and therapists, and some say they're Christian, and some just say they have some Christian training, uh, and then, of course, I guess there are other counselors that aren't christian at all and they say since you guys have experience with going to counseling so they obviously know <laughs> they we're know screwed up They've seen all right that. they can tell you yes go back. so they want to know do we have an opinion about whether having a christian counselor or not or one with just christian training does that make a difference in the long run <laughs> who wants to start on that one i will start by saying this <laughs> and we did have a little quick discussion before we went on the air um, just because somebody has the label of being Christian does mm-hmm. not necessarily make them a better counselor. Sure. Just like having being a Christian doesn't make you a better surgeon or a better mm-hmm. nurse or a better plumber or anything that you do. Um, now, as I, I believe, if you truly are following Jesus, it, it makes you better at what you do. But do too. not everybody who has the label of being a Christian is necessarily following jesus in a way that's making them better at what they do so i wouldn't i wouldn't just automatically say oh if they, it says christian on their sign or their credentials right. or whatever then that's the one i want to go to versus someone else because there could be someone out there who's really really skilled at what they do and would help you tremendously but maybe not carry that label so i would say that first yeah and i think i that's what i would say we did have that little discussion i agree with that totally is I wish this was one of the things that's it's a little off about counseling and the way we view counseling, and maybe this isn't anywhere. I've only lived in the U.S., so this is true I, my whole life, is whereas 
if I had a heart problem, I probably would talk to people I know who have also had heart problems mm. and said, hey, did you like your doctor? Did he really help mm -hmm. you? Did yeah. he do that well? And those kind of things. But there's something that about counseling that we feel like is too personal to bring up to anybody and say, mm. right. hey, did you have you been to counseling? Did you like your counselor? Was it helpful to you? But, you know, just because somebody gets a credential stamped, mm. it doesn't mean they're all equal just because they all yep. have the same credentials. Yep. We get better when we know, you know, that they've done something and we could see it. So yeah. I'd love to, if the person's comfortable doing it, saying, hey, I know you don't, maybe, maybe you do, I don't know who this is. We don't yeah, know who we don't know because mm -mm. they're anonymous. But if you felt comfortable telling any of us, hey, this is the situation, like it, if you're depressed, there's, there's physical parts of that uh -huh. and there's, there's counseling parts of that. Yes. I wouldn't want you just going, if there are parts that you need help with that don't necessarily require you to be good at following Jesus, you just need to understand the nature of that particular thing you need help with. I'd want you to get that help. Yeah. Sure. So, before I can completely answer, I'd really like to understand mm -hmm. where you were, what we we're trying to do, and maybe I could put you in touch with people who have been through similar places. And mm -hmm. that's, I feel, I know that's not a direct answer. No, I, but it's the truth. Yeah. 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 Be, it's, being a Christian should make you better at everything. Yeah. But it, but just saying that you follow mm -hmm. Jesus or saying that you've accepted Jesus to take you to heaven when you die or that you went to a Christian university. It doesn't make you better at it, and not being a part of that doesn't make you worse at something. Exactly. It, right. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But understanding a person's worldview does really change the advice that you give. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can say, you know, because this person obviously has heard us talk about going before. Uh, we've all been to counselors, and um, I would say it was helpful to me that my counselor did have a Christian worldview. Yep. Um, yeah. He talked to me about things in light of what I do for a living, which is lead a church, so that was helpful. But he also framed things in very spiritual uh, terms so that it, it, it enhanced my experience by integrating it into my following of Jesus, and it wasn't separated. So that was helpful to me, but it didn't necessarily make it absolutely better than any other counselor that i think i would have gone to it was helpful right yes but but i think i think in the end of the day like we just said the skill of the counselor and the training that the counselor has is probably as if not more important that that whether or not they're coming from a, a spiritual background mm -hmm. so uh, so here's what i would say to the person the anonymous person who sent this in um you can get in touch with us a lot of different ways uh, yep. if you go to the, here's one thing if you go to the website and go to the contact us page you can fill out the form there. You can give me an email address and some bogus name if you wanted to <laughs> that I could get back in touch with you and we could hear a little bit about your story and then maybe point you to a counseling firm locally that we think would be the best for you if you want to do that. Sure. Or this may be all that you wanted to hear, and that's fine too. But uh, we'd really love to help in yeah. that way if, if you're willing to reach out. So. And yeah. the one thing I'd like to affirm is your, your recognition that you should do it, mm. don't let our – poor attempt at an answer keep yes. you from holding that commitment yes yeah. please go uh, you i believe that may be of the lord the lord has yeah. directed Absolutely. you this point and i hope we didn't discourage that maybe we can help you along the way yeah yeah and in the end our our it's easy to in all the conversations that we are having here i think that's uh, that's the truth of it is that we are emotional mental physical and spiritual beings mm -hmm. um that there there tends to be this part of us especially I, I think followers of jesus who tend to uh over, overplay this spiritual side at the detriment of all the other sides that god really does say i want you to love me with your you know your 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 mind and your soul and your strength and all these everything mm -hmm. with with your physical side with your emotional side with your mental side with your spiritual side like they said there's it's different tools in your tool bag that you are yeah. that everything uh if you are taking care of what god has given you then that is loving god in that process mm -hmm. so like they like both of them said i have nothing really to add other than that, of just if you if you're feeling the the desire to go or the need to go, or as he said, maybe it's the call of God calling you to go. Mm -hmm. um, listen to that and respond, and we'd love to help if we can. Absolutely.
All right, moving on. Let's talk a little bit about Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. We yeah. still have those every seven days. <laughs> we do. <Yeah. laughs> that did not get canceled in the virus. No. no. The, the way we do it. Yeah, yeah we it's do totally it. different. It's totally still different. weird. Yeah, yes. still weird. It's super it's weird. Weird. I still don't like it. Yeah. No. But it's, it's, it's what it we got. It is what it is. We're trying to do the best we can yeah. like everybody else is. Yes, we are. Yeah. So, so I'm leading the discussion since Jason uh, gave yes. our, our sermon on Sunday. So um, the, the basic kind of concept behind it is about the myth of control and that uh, one of the phrases you said in your sermon um, was that at its heart control is a myth. And so uh, first I just wanted to discuss that idea. Um, I think we probably all agree with it, but in, in particular, um, in what maybe, what has been your journey with that, with that idea? Because <laughs> I think we all are probably in different ways because of our personality, because of our lives, have struggle with that idea in different ways. I think all human beings at our nature are trying to be in control of something. Yes. We all go about it different ways. Uh, I, by the way, I had somebody I didn't, uh, I don't even think I mentioned this to you guys. After our last podcast, I had somebody reach out to me about our Enneagram discussion oh, and oh, wanted cool. to wanted to take a test, and uh, I actually suggested to them not to take a test. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do not think, I've, I've now been leading a couple different groups of people through it um, and tell them, I think reading Books is more helpful. I think the tests are often confusing. So anyway, if you're interested in well, it. you know, one of the interesting things, and again, we said last week you're a little geeky on that. Yeah. yeah. That uh, one of the things you said recently to me I have found to be so helpful is if when you read the types of Enneagram, if when you read through one and you really mm-hmm. go, God, I hate that one, it's probably you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't find much attractive about it, that's that's probably you. Because And this is where I was trying to uh, bring it to in this is because of our different personalities, some of it's the way God made us, some of it is the life we have lived and the things that have happened to us. There are different ways we try to control yeah. the yeah. world, oh, yeah. control other people, control yeah. our environment. Um, so anyway, that's it. Control is a myth. I, I think we all agree with that. We, we don't do. have to start by going no, through no, that. No, no. But, but in our... How have we seen that myth work itself out in our lives? I think at its heart, the, I think control and our attempts at it is really the nature of sin. Sure. Mm. Um, when I think about it, it is the, the root cause of everything in me that is sinful. And I think you can go right back to the, the beginning, first chapter of the Bible, or the first book of the Bible, and, and see that it was, a, it was a grab for control. And I think pretty much all sin in my life uh, has been a a attempt of some type to rip control from God, take it back, because for some reason that in my way of in the way that I'm made up makes it makes me feel safe or it makes me feel better in some way is if I I'm in control of that thing. It it and then it comes back to it's a trust issue. It's I trust me rather than trusting God. And I honestly the only thing that in my life that has taught me the opposite of that is experience. Mm. I mean, that I hate to say it that way, but having experiences where I have been face-to-face or it, it has hit me square in the between the eyes that you are not in control of this, those have been the most helpful teachers to me and then eventually leading me to not needing to control as much whether it be people mm-hmm. or my mm-hmm. own life, um, whatever. So that's that's been my experience on that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Experience has been the thing. People have been the great teacher for me, um, particularly people that I love and I typically think the best of. So my wife and my children probably have taught me more about my sin nature, which is, I agree with you, is control. Everything I try to control is really me not wanting to trust it to God. It's not me wanting to open my hand to God. Yep. And uh, every time I can try to control something or try to make things the way I think they should be, uh, and I have a particular style with that, as you all do. Yeah. I know, you know, so mine is power. Mm-hmm. I think if I apply enough force to things by the sheer power of my will, Mm-hmm. I can make things bend to it. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that with people, the reason it got clear to me is when I did control some people who I really love, because I am, I mean, when I want to, I can just power up 
uh, particularly with my kids, they weren't as powerful at that time, but I didn't get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wound up getting a person I, who I was controlling. What I really wanted was love. Mm-hmm. What I really want, but you can't control and love somebody. And that eventually Impossible. got clear to me. <laughs> Once I start controlling a person, I don't have what I want. I have, a, I have control of them, but they aren't responding to me. They're trying to keep me from powering up on them. Yeah. Right. And so I have, but I, I'll say I still fall into that. I've been at this a long time and, Every sin I still have is me trying to exert a form of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It always yeah. is. Well, and that, you mentioned the Enneagram, Nathan, that plays right into your number, which we know. Right. Is you're an eight. I'm an eight. I'm a one. Um, and so mine, my form of control and my form of sin in my life t- tends to be um, trying to do everything perfectly, line things up. Because people who are one on the Enneagram, they tend to be perfectionists. They want everything thought thought through, lined up, uh, organized, all of that kind of stuff. In fact, back to the whole counseling thing, the first thing my counselor ever said to me when he did an, an assessment on me, he said, man, he said, you're one of the most highly structured people I've, I've sat with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, my wife t- tends to be that way as well. And he saw both of us, and he's like, why it must be really fun to live in your house and because we that's just how we view the world we like to mm-hmm. see things in order structured done right and and so but that back to the issue that's that's my way of control is you know I know how things ought to be ought to be done and my way is the right way mm-hmm. and that makes and I didn't realize that it it makes it hard to be in relationship with somebody yeah. like me if mm-hmm. I don't release that and so that's been one of my things that I try to do is I got to let go of that, um, allow the way other people do things to be okay, and for me to be okay with that, and not. And whereas your way is to power up and control, my way is to you know manipulate. This more manipulative and making sure things are in in order. Um, either way, it's it's a form of control. Yeah, either way so, is wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, most often <coughs> control is in trying to control. W- I always say trying to control a narrative, trying to control what other people think, trying to control what I think. Mm. Uh, deception tends to be my my biggest uh, sin in that area of um, lying to myself, lying to other people, not even being fully aware sometimes I'm doing it um, because uh, trying just to control that element of my life. So it's trying to control other people. It's trying to control the environment around me. Um, and so when you talk about surrender, you know, I think that is at the root of a lot of this stuff. Uh, th- that's what you're having to surrender is you're having to surrender the way you've been able to make it through the world. That we all come up with these ways of moving through the world that works for us. Power or it's some kind of I'm going to find the right way to do something. I'm going to mm-hmm. find that or I can manipulate people and be very charming and work my way through it that way. And for God really to meet us at any place, you have to surrender that ability. Like we often think of it, I've got to surrender uh, to God's power or I have to surrender to God's right way of doing things or mm-hmm. I have to surrender to God's way of seeing me. It's not even that. It's that I have to give up my way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I have to yeah. give up my form of control because like you said, at the heart of what sin is, it's me trying to control things. It's mm-hmm. me trying to play the role of God. And that at the at the very nature of it, when I get to a place where I say, I just can't do this anymore. I know it works for me. It works very well for me. But it doesn't, because I think to some level, and I, I wonder to some degree for people maybe who are listening, who who kind of hear it, and even people who go through the Enneagram, and I remember reading this where you kind of see, oh, this is the way I've been able to kind of manipulate the world around me. One of the saddest things is when uh, a person hasn't had to learn from experience. Because mm-hmm. I think most of my life I actually haven't had to learn from experience because most people have never caught on to the lie. Uh. Like it took a while to get through. <laughs> or when you've not powered up so much and somebody's gone back against it, mm-hmm. that when, when, when you haven't run into that brick wall at any point, not that you won't ever, but that you've been able to kind of move your way through the world and maneuver past the obstacles, doesn't mean that at some point that obstacle's not coming or you're not going to overpower it. But the sad thing is when you don't come to a place, and we know this from people who've done 12-step programs, right? right. That you get yeah. to a place where you have to surrender control. Mm-hmm. There's a way you have been working working through the world, you hit rock bottom, you hit a wall, and you go, 
I can't fix this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, that, I mean, that's step one. My life has become uncontrollable. Right. I have to admit my life is beyond control. Mm-hmm. And so I turn my life and my will over to the power mm-hmm. yeah. of God as I understand it. Yeah. And so I think in these current circumstances, that's what the message was about Sunday. Sure. I think the benefit of anything that is like what we are all going through right now, the benefit, it really is a benefit. It's hard to see hmm. is that most of our life has now gotten wrestled out of our control. Right. Now, the, the truth is at this point, at this point, and we even had this discussion in our staff this week, we've been in it long enough now that most of us have now fallen into another form of controlling this. I either am super, sorry about not turning my phone off there. (laughs) I've either super gotten into, I'm going to do everything the scientists say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's my way of controlling me and my family. I don't have to trust God. I'm trusting the scientists, or I'm trusting God and the scientists. I don't want to get into that. I I didn't mean that as a shot to anybody. Or, Or there are people that, I'm praying my way through mm-hmm. this, and that's my way. And I'm going to faith my way. I'm just believe, <laughs> and everything's going to be okay. That kind of way, we get past the initial shock. Everything I know is gone. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it's a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Because if you look around in that moment, you go, oh, I'm still breathing. <laughs> yeah. And everything's okay. It's not what I expected. But apparently there is a control at work here mm-hmm. it just wasn't me mm-hmm. i thought it was me yes mm-hmm. but it wasn't me yeah but six weeks in now most of us have wrapped our mind around this yeah and we have another form of, it's why so many people social distance yet they'll go to lows right <laughs> right i totally don't do all these things but i do do this one thing it's, yeah it, it doesn't make sense, but it's my form of controlling. I have to control sure. something, so I control it. Yeah, and you figure out a way in your head to that it make, makes it work. Make, it works for everybody's. You. I've said this before. Everybody's behavior makes sense to them. Yeah, sure, absolutely. It, it makes sense to me, but it, but you figure because but mine makes sense to me, and it probably doesn't make sense to you. Yeah, so that's we all right. do it. Yeah, so. everyone has a way of, of figuring it out, and I think at at the very nature, I think that's why uh, Jesus, and e- even in the story that you you taught on Sunday of uh, the disciples are in a boat, storm comes up, they're freaked out, Jesus is asleep in the boat, uh, and then all of a sudden, Jesus gets up and he takes control of the whole situation. And I think often Jesus, in so many scenarios, what he's trying to do is he is trying to tear that that false facade that everybody has of control away from them. It's why Jesus is always in these weird controversial conflicts with just all different kinds of people it's Mm -hmm. often why you know we had a question a while ago about um, someone comes to ask Jesus a question and his response to it almost seems aggressive to their question and often what Jesus is doing is he is trying to make you confront your version of control your pride is another way to talk about you trying to control everything your pride and get you to this vulnerable state where either or you will choose to surrender control to him or you will dig deeper in on the thing that you have tr- chosen to do, which is what the religious leaders do, right? The re- yep. He's constantly – I don't – because a lot, a lot of people – I remember growing up, a lot of people are like, oh, man, the Pharisees were the bad guys and the Pharisees were this. I actually think Jesus is, has this compassion for the Pharisees where he is trying to rip apart their facade of their form of control, mm-hmm. hoping that some – which some did, Nicodemus, when yes. Joe yeah, comes, yeah. They did. right, and – uh, Joseph of Arimathea is another one who who takes Jesus' uh, body after he's he's crucified. That there are people who who turn from their their former version, but then other people see it, and this lack of control becomes mm-hmm. so unsettling they can't deal with it. So they just grasp harder at yep. the methods of control. And I think that's to some degree what all of us are going through right now. You either are going to give in to whatever. You know, we talked about the grieving process. You're either going to give in to that process and let it lead you towards God. You're going to give in to the I don't have control or there's going to be a part of you that's going to be so angry mm-hmm. or so, you know, scared or so whatever from this lack of control. You don't recognize who's in the boat. Well, I think about uh, for me, one of the things that, you know, has been really it's still difficult for me to get let go of is um, the discussion we've had around here. And, you know, I'm sure you hear it all the time is 
things are going to be different from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about that in terms of what we do as a church, that we're, we're not sure what it's going to look like when we do come back, but right. it's probably not going to look like it looked before. And before, I knew how that worked, and I knew how to do that and control that, and I'm not happy about the thought that it might be so much different than what I am used to. And, and it happened when, when the thing first hit, and we said, okay, you know, the, we, we, we got to do everything online. And it was a lot of activity around here, and we scrambled to make it happen, and we, we figured it out. And now we've got in, and now we're kind of in a rhythm. We, yeah. mm-hmm. We're we're controlling that. Mm, that's right. And yep, that's but right. that's going to change too. It's sure. just this constant. It's just when, like you said, Ed, when when the thing hits that puts that push, pushes you out of the control seat, what do you go to after that? Is mm-hmm. does it does it cause you to to just manipulate and do another form of control, which unfortunately does for a lot of us, or does it lead you to trust God more? Mm-hmm. I, I've been trying, and uh, Nathan has said this the most on our podcast, but I believe it's true that is our faith is an embodied faith. Mm-hmm. So that's a reason that we meet together is we believe. I have to embody what I believe. So mm-hmm. this whole thing out of control, there's a teacher named Danielle Strickland. Oh, yeah. We all know. Yeah. That's great. I Wonderful. think she's an incredible t- teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had heard her teach this probably six months ago, and it's stored in a way of, oh, that's a really interesting thought about an embody- embodiment of prayer life. Uh, and so during this time of being out of control, I've begun her prayer practice, which has been for me, it's very different, so it still feels odd. Yeah. But she has hand motions that she uses when she prays to embody these movements that are important. So the thing of being, I, I believe that what God wants in our life is for us to uh, voluntarily give him control. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it's a part of every day that allowing Jesus to be Lord of my life is not a one-time decision I make that then he gets me to heaven. It is a moment by moment decision. I am turning the. I am turning this moment over to him. I'm turning every day over to him. I'm turning every every breath I have over to him. But I want to seize that back. So part of her prayer thing is you start every day off, and the first movement is you put your hands up, mm. and then you talk about prayers of surrender. And so, again, it's a little weird. This morning I decided to pray while I was walking because uh, I was a little behind. Uh, and so, again, in my nature to try to control that, I thought, I'm just going to go on the walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk and talk. And so I'm literally walking on my sidewalk while I'm thinking, <laughs> and I have my hands up while I'm walking. I thought, people think you're wow, arrest- being arrested. this is super <laughs> weird. Uh, but, again, it, again, was an embodiment of I really do want to turn my life over, and then there are the other ones I won't get into. But th- that particular one. I think as much as we can keep in our mind, my natural inclination is to get back in the driver's seat mm-hmm. as quickly as I can, mm-hmm. to have Jesus sit beside me instead of me sit beside him or sit yeah. behind him. I have to have something that is regularly reminding me I'm turning my life over. I'm turning this moment over. I'm turning this conversation over. I'm turning this relationship over. If not, I'm going to seize control. And I'm going to do what I've always done, which is it's not going to put him where he ought to be. Well, and there's a way within faith, and I think this is a good point of what you're making here, that there's a way that I end up taking my belief in God or my belief in Jesus as the Son of God and incorporating that into my, my methods uh, of control. Hmm. And yes. and it, it isn't an act of surrender anymore that, you know, it is it is so going to our things. There's a way in which I can wear my faith as outward things that I do to look good to other people that'd be mine right people on the one they tend to become very legalistic in their mindsets around you know well this is what Mm -hmm. God said and this is the exact way to do it or certainly Mm -hmm. taking it in in very kind of social justice ways of people who are very kind of on the on the eight number of it's all about what I'm what I'm doing and what I can make happen and make all that kind of stuff happen but you know one of the best terms I've ever heard about just faith in general is that really what Jesus is inviting us into is cooperation with God that it is cooperating with God that it's a conversational relationship with God that literally every day and this is the part that's scary to some of us with the control is it could change every day now it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it, he's one day going to tell me not to love people I don't mean that yeah. I, Jesus has spoken clearly on all of those kind of things but in any given moment 
God could be prompting me and leading me, and the part that I have to be aware of is the part where I go, okay, mm-hmm. you're leading me to, and this doesn't necessarily, I, I didn't think of this as being what love would say in the moment, but now I'm seeing, okay, this is what I would do that's oh, yeah. loving. I got to move towards this person in this way, and maybe it doesn't look like the system I have in my head, or maybe this isn't going to make me look good in the way that I want to look good, or maybe it means I, I can't power up in the way that I want to. Whatever my method of control is, it's very natural within, like you were saying, in people of faith that I just take this belief in Jesus. I learn some of the things I'm supposed to learn, and I maneuver them into my method of control. So it's really still me, and I'm just saying, well, this is what Jesus told me to do. That's really ugly, Jace. Um, Nathan, yeah. <laughs> I don't like that, but I find it to be true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is really ugly yeah. truth there, but yeah. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked, uh, I think, enough about uh, myth of control. The other thing I thought was really good, um, which um, was the uh, A.W. Tozer quote um, about um, uh, paraphrasing. And one person I heard who who made it very kind of catchy was uh, uh, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. That's the basic premise behind it. The most important thing about a person is what you think about when you think about God. Mm -hmm. And so, once again, I think we all agree with that. A.W. Tozer was a lot smarter than all of us (laughs) and wrote books that are hard to understand at times. And uh, anyway, so we agree with that. I think the interesting discussion behind it is how has your thoughts on God evolved, maybe from childhood to now or just Mm. through your faith? I certainly have things, but uh, I'd like to hear you guys first on what what were your thoughts, you know, even maybe thinking in terms of like characteristic, like when you think of caricature of God, because you certainly Mm -hmm. have pictures. This is what I thought about when I thought about God. Here's how that affected my life. Here's how that's changed. Well, for me, um, and and this is interesting because, you know, as I just revealed what my type is, um, I I don't know if I started out that way and I just happened to grow up in a system that really was conducive to that way Mm -hmm. of thinking or that system is what shaped me into be the perfectionist that I tend tend to be. Um, But I grew up interesting. I grew up in a religious system that was all about we have this one way of viewing the Bible and the way to follow Jesus and how to do church. And, and the words that we use and the methods that we use and everybody else has screwed it up. And so you've got to make sure that you stay in this this box that we created that we all know is the right way. And so that informed my way of seeing God. Um, there's always a story that I, I always saw God as um, his main concern was he was watching you, making sure that you got it all right. And when you didn't, he would slap you back into into line and you get right again and then he'd slap you back when you get off so every referee pretty much he's He's kicking you back into play and so and i had a i had a very well-meaning teacher uh as a child um describe god and sin in such a way that i walked away from him thinking that no matter what i believed or how i trusted in god that if there ever came a time in my life where there was a sin on my account, which, you know, God's keeping score, mm-hmm. if there was ever a sin on my account that I didn't get asked forgiveness for, then I was in danger of going to hell at any moment. And so I grew up, I can remember, saying prayers at night at bedtime, um, God, forgive me of this sin and this sin and this sin. And then at the end, I would say, and God, I know there are some that I forgot. And so can you help me remember or can you just write those off too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I was, it it was God's going to get you for that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I grew up with that. And um, for me, uh, that's what I was, I always thought of him as. But in these last years of my life, I have learned that the representation of God is Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the final image, representation of he is God. I don't want to. That's not a theological statement. That mm-hmm. is just a practical thing. When when Jesus said, "You see me, you've seen the Father." Yeah. So the challenge of my walk with God in these past few years is to, whenever I'm in doubt or whenever I am conjuring up a picture of what God is like in my mind, I always run it through the filter of Is that like Jesus? Does that look like Jesus? Is that the way He approached that? And if not, then you probably need to throw it away. Mm-hmm. But that's been my challenge. 
Yeah, all molecules. So, yeah. Yeah, my challenge, and it probably, I, I had also, just before you said that, had the same thought of how much my personality type probably flows out of my thoughts about God as a kid. I grew up, you know, my mom was very committed Christian, dad not so much, and we went to different churches. My ideas about God was he could not be trusted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was... Uh, Capricious is the word. I wouldn't mm. have had that word as a as a little kid. That he just did what he wanted to do, and you might get on the good side of it. You might get on the bad side of <laughs> it, and you try as hard as you want to. But bad things still happen to people that were better than me. Mm. And that God just was. I mean, it was just a crapshoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. I was going to make sure that even if there was a crapshoot, I was going to be in control of the parts that I had control of. I was mm-hmm. going to make sure that my life was what I wanted it to be because I couldn't trust him anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really uh, how it came down. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that when I first became a Christian, I became a Christian in the type of church you're talking about. Yeah. And. Uh, listen to people talk about that, which totally was opposite of what I was. I was really a rules are things to be flaunted. Mm-hmm. And now I was in a thing of all the rules matter all the time. And for a short time, I was pretty convinced that if I hadn't taught you, you weren't a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But now it didn't last long because it yeah. didn't make sense to me because I knew I wasn't that good yeah. <laughs> you know, on the inside. And, uh, over time, it certainly has over the last, particularly the last 30 years of my life, but uh, th- it's moved that way. And um, really even more so, I would say, in the last 25 years of my life. I had a real c- moment in the early days of this church where I had to confront what I thought about God and what he thought about me and what other people thought about me and what really mattered. And everything began to change, and it really was who is Jesus? And mm-hmm. if Jesus were here with me, even as I was, how would he treat me? So it became very clear. God has always been like Jesus. Jesus wasn't Jesus wasn't revealing new things about God. Yes. He was revealing what was true about All God. Along. It had missed. always been true about God. So mm-hmm. when I mean, you you guys know we really emphasize the life of Jesus at Community Christian. Yes. In, in our discipleship program, we read Jesus. And, you know, I have people go, well, you know, why don't you put on the other part? Well, we're followers of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I just think you mess up almost everything else you read in the Bible if you don't read it with the lens that Jesus is what reveals God, mm-hmm. and yes. you must read this other stuff with Jesus in mind, or you will mess it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will just mess it up. Mm-hmm. So, I, I now I don't have any of those thoughts about God as loving and kind as Jesus was, as much as he could be trusted in every situation. Uh, that's how I see him. He yeah. he has he was faithful to me when I thought he was unfaithful. He was trustworthy when I thought he was untrustworthy. He didn't change. I finally just got the, all that pulled off my eyes. And what you said is is a dis, is a subtle difference, but it is a distinct difference of trying to um, run Jesus through the filter of everything else in Scripture versus running everything else in sure. Scripture through the filter of oh Jesus. Yeah. That those two things, I did it the other way around my whole life, basically, and and now that's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I see everything through the Jesus lens and it has completely changed my my way of viewing God and my yeah. way of doing the Christian life. And we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews but the statement he makes when he says or she whoever wrote whoever that wrote book, yeah that in days past he spoke through prophets and angels and mm-hmm. all those things but in the last day he spoke finally fully through his son yeah. and his yeah. son is the truth. Yeah. Right. Everything must be run through that lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just messing it up. Yeah. yeah. Was it Paul said he is the, Jesus is the image of the invisible. He is the visible, visible image, image yeah. of the invisible God. So you want to see God. You want to know what God thinks, what he feels, what he, what he does. You watch Jesus, and that is it. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, I think for me, probably most of my life, um, uh, because I was able most of my life to figure out uh, how to convince other people that I was something I was not, I was always, though, very aware that God knew I was not what everyone else thought I was. And so most of my life, I believed that everyone only loved me because of the things I was able to do and the ways I was able to convince them that I was good or right or any of that kind of stuff. And God loved me because of some loophole that I had gotten through of, you know, he had to love me. You know, it's always the way I used to say it is just like, you know, your parents are somehow legally obligated to love you and care (laughs) about you. God was legally obligated uh, because of what Jesus did, that I said the right thing, and I had, you know, gotten dunked in the water, and so he had to be stuck with me, but he didn't really want to hear from me very much. It's that old thing of he loves me, but he doesn't like me. Yeah, he me. doesn't like me. Yeah. He doesn't really want, the want you know, he's just mostly disappointed in me, mm-hmm. that he's just, oh, man, he's just so frustrated with me. And so I think most of my life uh, there's just lots of shame revolved around with it that I just, I knew there's a version of me that everyone loves and everyone cares about me. That's not the real me. God God doesn't even love the real me. And so um, I remember it probably even, so most of my life, the way it manifested, let me start with that, and the way most of my life, it really manifested probably very similar to what Jason talked about. I was trying to do the right thing as much as I could because what I thought it took was that maybe I could trick God, that if I could keep doing the right stuff he told me to do, maybe then he'd actually love me and he'd actually care about me. And then by the time I got into high school, it shifted almost to what you're talking about. Of Then I got fed up with it of realizing it's not worth the effort. No matter what I do, I can't ever make God really love love me. And so most of my life, the, the story of the prodigal son has been so huge to me because I've played both parts of the of of not obviously of God but of the two sons. Mm-hmm. I have been the son who I go everything I do, I feel like no matter what I do it's never good enough. I stayed home. I did the stuff you told me to do and somehow you're throwing parties for other people mm-hmm. and that's how it always felt was that there were people I'm doing all the stuff or I'm trying to do all the stuff. God really loves all the other people. He's really frustrated with me. Then I felt like the other person who then went off and blew everything up and was very wasteful. And honestly, in lots of ways, it was that story that helped me on the other side was I remember hearing some preacher, and I don't know that this happened kind of when I started really taking my faith seriously, which was somewhere right around the time into high school, beginning of college. But I remember at one point hearing a uh, story from someone saying that we've mistitled, um, like, because the story prodigal son is not in the actual story right. itself. It's yeah. tor- st- and prodigal means wasteful. Mm-hmm. It's referring to the son living this very wasteful life uh, based on the kind of thing. But I heard s- uh, some preachers say the story should actually be referred to as the prodigal father because in their society, the way the father took back the son mm-hmm. and lavished these gifts, they yeah. would have seen that as prodigal mm-hmm. and wasteful. And I never had that view of God. I always had the view of God that he was very uh, deliberate in the amount of love he poured out on people. You yeah. get what you deserve, right? Everyone gets a level of love if they get baptized and follow you and all the things that I had kind of uh, thought I did the right way. But really seeing, once again, in Jesus, understanding in Jesus, this generous wasteful nature in which he pours out love on people who don't deserve it mm. and can't ever earn it uh that that really changed up realizing that god smiles at me when he thinks about me um i am not a very naturally uh playful or cheerful person uh i'm good at pretending most people think i am because i'm pretty darn funny and so people think but that is a uh, people don't know this about me. Humor is a very serious thing to me. It is, a, <laughs> it is very important to me that you get it right. And so um, the playful nature isn't. But even imagining Jesus laughing and being very playful with people that would he would take children mm. who had no reason for him to love them because uh, they can't do anything to earn it, and he's just playful with them and loves being with people. Him laughing with people that totally changed everything for me. Of imagining mm-hmm. God smiling when He thinks about me, it's a totally it's a and it so there's a freedom in that now. Yeah, um, that's it. It reminds me of uh, something that broke me out of the, my because my my thinking was similar to yours, just mm-hmm. in a different lens, I guess. But what what broke me out of my way of thinking, and this is an old book written years ago had the greatest impact in my walk is um, called What's So Amazing About Grace mm-hmm. by Philip Yancey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read that book probably in college, 
or right after college, somewhere in there. And uh, so, like, late 90s, uh, probably. I, I think that's when that book was written. But it it completely rocked my way of thinking about God and about myself mm-hmm. and that whole thing of it, it changed me from trying to, to do good in order to be loved. And now I realize I am loved and that therefore I'm free to be good right? And to yeah. do or to do right. You know, like my motivation completely switched up and it got a lot less stressful. <laughs> you know, yeah. It got a lot more freedom for me. So, yeah, I think it's huge. I had a similar experience with the book uh, Crazy Love, which was very yeah. popular oh for yeah. a while. Francis similar Chandon. books, actually. Yeah, very, very similar in, in the concepts. And then another book, End of Religion by Bruxy Cavey, was very helpful with all mm. those kind of things. So interesting cool. in the way that we talked about this and yep. maybe close out on this, that how how all of us interact with God in different ways based on our personalities, based on Enneagrams, based on all these different things. Uh, but that God also meets us in that. Yeah, I was going to say it's not maybe so much we interact with God that God is willing to interact, which is his lavish nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. God does not say, here I am, now figure me out, come get yeah. me. Mm-hmm. God is constantly at work in me as right. messed up as I am to reach me. And uh, and the same for all of you. And it's very mm-hmm. different for mm-hmm. each one of us, but he is at work to reach us in our own personality absolutely yeah beautiful thing yeah all right so that's it for sunday all right cool um see if we can do this this discussion a little quicker okay (laughs) can we have a quick discussion i I don't know we'll see so last week if you tuned in uh you know i have uh, sort of been jotting down a list of things that i i've heard people say during this state of quarantine that we're living in that drive me crazy that I just I think it's helpful if we maybe straighten things out because I don't think people realize only what they're on saying. the Bible things though we're only trying to yeah. we're, not we're the, trying, not there the are other stuff. things but we're yeah. trying to stay on the Bible things yes and so here's one that I, I think we can sort of and I don't think people well maybe they do maybe they do flat out mean it I hope they don't mean it but I, I've just I've seen a lot of people um, when they try to explain and I know this where this comes from people want to have a good Christian answer to why things are the way they are. Sure. and try to help people understand why would god allow this yes because that's a big question you know if god's god why is he letting this happen and so a lot of the people that i hear talk about they say well you know it we've done something wrong and god's judging our country or mm. god's god's trying to wake us up and get us to you know he's going to punish us for what we've done god's S- wrath poured his out wrath is that. pouring yeah. out on us and so we our response is we're going to turn to him and and get ourselves right and if we straighten up we'll get through all of this and I, I i just i have a problem with the way that that frames the nature of god sure. as being uh, the word you use capricious and you know punitive punitive and those kinds and of things really on these kind of things pandemics because yeah again i'm old enough to have been in the ministry when aids was sure. first coming on mm. many of the things we're now saying were said then too and if this is a judgment of God and somehow I'm supposed to be able to see, hey, this is, he's really capricious in that there are going to be children die during this yes. that didn't do anything. So, wow, you couldn't <laughs> do a better job at that. Right. Ugh. I mean, so I always say to people, is God judging the world? Yeah. But, but is this is this evidence of it? No, right, no. I mean, right. Do we have diseases in the world because of sin? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I can remember you mentioned Sunday, you know, about Bryce's uh, uh, passing eighteen years ago. Mm-hmm. I can remember standing with you and Helga at the grave site and saying, "This was never intended to happen." God did not invent a world where children die before they are born. When God had the world the way he wanted it, it was not this way. Yes. And so all of these things that happen, pandemics and all the stuff that goes wrong in our world, God doesn't like. I mean, God didn't shoot. He didn't build this world right. this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe because he loves his creation, when when the end of this era comes about, the world will be the way God wanted it. It mm-hmm. will be fully, yes. completely restored. Heaven, as I understand John's vision, will come to earth. Where yeah. mm-hmm. it, yes. And we will 
this mm-hmm. will be the way it was supposed to be. Yes. But we don't see that now. So yeah. this is not – God may very well be doing something. He is at work. I know that. Absolutely. The other thing yeah. I know is you don't know what God's doing till he tells you <laughs> nope. what he's doing. So you telling me you know what he's doing, yes. I guarantee you you don't yes. know what he's doing until he tells you. Well, and Jesus even and dire- directly answers some of the. S- well, I was going to say that. He does. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah he directly answers some of the stuff that you're yes. talking about here. And the, the number one th- that comes to my mind is because I think there's a level of comedy to it where Jesus is walking with his disciples. They see a blind man. This is in John nine, I believe. Yes. They see a, see a, a blind man, and the disciples start having a discussion. So, whose sin caused it? Did he mm-hmm. cause it? It's their worldview. That's right. The way they yeah. Saw was it his? Yeah. Was it his? Was it his sin that did it? Was it someone else's sin that did it? Which is not dissimilar to this conversation of it's the, our country's mm-hmm. sin that's causing it's the world's sin that's causing this. And I almost, one number one thing I always think when they're saying this, they're having a conversation right next to him, and he's blind. He's not deaf. Like he, <laughs> can, hear, he can hear them having this conversation. Yeah. And Jesus, but like you said, this was part of their worldview that di- di- sin directly affected a person. So maybe his parents is because he was born blind, so mm-hmm. couldn't have been his sin. Yeah. Maybe it was his parents, and and Jesus just goes, no, neither one. That's not the way this works. In effectively, fact, he is said, what this he is says. This is going to be for the glory of God. I'm going to heal yes. this guy, and it's going to turn out to, God's at work even in this thing to bring yes. about glory. Yes. I do believe that's true. There's another instance where they're asking him about some, I take it, a national kind of thing, the Tower of Siloam. Mm-hmm. Right. It falls, 18 people get killed, and they immediately say, what What happened? Is that a bad city because mm-hmm. the tower fell? And Jesus said, come on, man. Yeah. Here's wrong. He goes, but I do tell you this, unless all of y'all repent and uh, become part of the kingdom, you're going to perish too. And then he just walks, walks away. away. Walks away. Yeah. He just walks away. He goes, do you need to repent? Yeah. Yes. That don't have nothing to do with it. That yes. was true before that. Mm-hmm. It's true now. Right. You don't have to use this event to say that end. Yes. Well, and I think going back to the point you, you've you already made, and I think we all made in the, in the last section, that Jesus is the – greatest revelation of who god is he's the mm-hmm. most clear direct revelation of who god is and jesus openly again and again he says it in the sermon on the mount that god pours out the sun and the rain yep. on both the sinners and or the righteous and the unrighteous right that on that that god is just generous like i was talking about that that's been my yep. biggest learning is that god he 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 is not punitive well in, in that passage that passage you're talking about that is a was a perfect example or a perfect time for Jesus to jump on the God's wrath boat sure. mm-hmm. because he says he he starts out by saying you have you have heard it said love your friends and love your neighbors and hate your enemies right and he is a perfect opportunity for him to go yeah and that's what God that does God does the same he does thing. the same but then he says no I say love your enemies and then right. he uses that analogy of God sends sun and rain on righteous and unrighteous, and we think that means good and bad. It doesn't. It's not. It's yeah. both it's good. It's both good. God just sends good. That's right. Yeah. It's lavishing good on everything. And then he doesn't turn around and say, and then he lavishes bad. No, he never even t- makes the turn. He just frames God in that lavishing good posture. And it's like, oh. so. And then he says, if you do this, love your enemies. Yep. You will be like your father in heaven. You will become children yes. of your father. You'll be following his footsteps, and then he leaves it there. So the, you get nowhere for wrath in that. No. You, know? you get Jesus' brother, James, later comes along, and he says to us, every good thing comes from God. Right. But don't let anybody say when evil comes along yes. that they're being, yes. this is happening from God's hand. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, every good thing is a God thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know about bad stuff. Don't put God attached to the bad things. We can attach God to the good things. Yes. Well, and I think one thought, too, because I know we're wanting to keep this short, so I'll give it kind of – maybe I get the last word uh, on this one. But I think going back to your point of reading Scripture through Jesus, most of the time when I hear people say this about God's wrath and the biblical evidence they give is Old Testament verses mm-hmm. of God through a prophet speaking to the nation of Israel about something, about a prophecy that was directed towards them. And I don't want to get into what all that means, Mm -hmm. but it's a different thing. Jesus is the clearest revelation we see. We understand through all of that. So it's another important part of not just weighing out. I picked a verse from somewhere. I don't understand the context. I don't know what this is about. And assuming that's applicable to every person at all times. And I do think it hinders your relationship with God. If I've... There's either one or two things. I either hear people quoting this, and they're always pointing at somebody. Mm. True. I, God isn't judging me. 
God ain't yeah. judging me. God's judging all y'all. Yeah. You know, and that's it. Or I've had people sit in my office and they go, this bad thing's happened. I must have done something right. wrong. Mm. And I, I said to him, I said to a guy once, I said, is this the first bad thing you've ever had happen in your life? <laughs> and he goes, oh, no. I said, has, is this is this thing you think you did wrong the first bad thing you ever did? Right. And he goes, no. I said, well, why do you think God's just catching up? Did yeah. he, did he just, just wake up? He just, yeah. I mean, I've done lots of bad things that God's just apparently ignored. Let go. He just, if that's the way God works. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Now, there is natural consequences oh, yeah, to absolutely. sin. Yeah, yeah. That's built into the universe. Yeah. But, yes, what you're saying is We are bad true. interpreters of events Yeah, It's not God's good for us hands. to do that. We should yeah. just stop that. So that's good. my rant for today. I like it. So let's, let's, get, let's all get that one straight. Okay. Uh, last thing. Ed has uh, blessed us today with <laughs> something. I don't even know if this is a top five. I don't even know what this I is. Think so. I, I had so. this idea the other day because somebody had said to us when we didn't have top fives, why don't y'all tell us your favorite kind of stuff? And okay. so I had this idea that uh, when it was my turn, I was going to ask you guys some questions. Okay. You're not participating in this? No. Aw, uh, <laughs> see, that's not fair. Great. And to make it more interesting to y'all, I have lots of questions. I have picked out eight questions, oh, but, but I'm not going to ask all eight. I'm going to let y'all pick. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask once. I'm going to ask one question to get started. Then the next seven Y'all can pick a number. Oh, oh God. <laughs> See, I'm already. This is why you didn't tell us because we would have <laughs> yeah, vetoed this. We right, let's vetoed get started because right. the clock is running. All right. Yes. Uh, first question. Okay. So, Jason, oh, we'll go with you man. first. Something that other people often get wrong about you. Oh, mm. okay. See, it's not as bad as you thought. You get a chance something to set the record straight. Something they often get wrong about me. The. The first thing that comes to mind is because because of my personality type, I have been often accused of being stuck up or aloof, mm-hmm. if that's the right word to use. Yeah. That that I'm that I'm because uh, I'm I'm not a very extroverted social kind of person in social settings. Right. That's and right. And so uh, I'm not the type of person that walks into a room and I'm the life of the party and I'm making lots of noise. I I tend to warm into those kind of settings and I do better in smaller gatherings than I do in large ones. It's, it's very difficult for me. Turn your phone off, man. <laughs> so people that was not wanna, a loop. People want to talk to me. I know. You're so important. <laughs> you need to write it down I next think, time. I think, but, it was, I think it was a spam. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that people have often said that, to, and, that, and that is not at all my heart and it's not at all my nature, but it, it and I've, I've tried to work on that over time. So, um, yeah. That is not your nature. I that's agree with that. not who I am in my heart, but that's how I and perceived yeah, by people maybe, many times. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of people sometimes say, look at me, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm fine. They go, you don't look okay. I was <laughs> like, I, I just look bad, I guess, sometimes. I, I don't have a good face, maybe. There, I there you go. So, Am I to answer the same you question? You are. Same All question. Right. Uh, I, think, uh, I think for me, maybe the opposite of that, I think what I'm learning a lot about myself uh, is that I struggle, I take myself very seriously. And I think uh, if... B- people because of my nature and because of the role I've played on staff for so long of being the funny guy in videos and that kind of thing. I think I'm often very much perceived as that I don't take many things seriously mm-hmm. or that I, uh, I, I'm i all about having fun. In fact, people regularly come to me, oh man, I bet you'd love to do this. You're always having fun. And my wife would tell you, I don't know how to have fun. <laughs> Everything is a job to me. Everything is very much work to me. So I don't necessarily mean that when I say I take myself seriously, that part's not necessarily good. I have to work on that part. But the uh, the Wanting to be fun. Maybe Jason appears too serious, yeah. and I uh, yeah. I appear too lighthearted. Where actually, I would argue maybe the reverse. Internally, I think you are yeah. a very fun guy and like to have fun, like to do exciting kind of sure. things. And you know, that is not me. Ex- as excitement as, as and as fun. As long as we do them my way, the, <laughs> <That's> right, <laughs> the right way. So yeah. Anyway, I would affirm to you all who are interested. They have told the truth. There you go. All right. From as much you, as I know, you've been with me a long time, longer long. than you've been with him. No. 
25, what, 27. Oh, you 27? I'm 30 years old. (laughs) 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 How old I am? What is that? I don't don't know know how old you are. I'm not shocked that you don't know how old I am. That's one thing for you to get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad that I got it wrong. I was able to reveal that. (laughs) (laughs) That was my question for the day that I blew. There you go. All right. No, I'm not sure. Benjamin is 27. My younger brother is 27. That's right. Okay, I'm really old, y'all. That's yeah. what this all That's right, because when I, when I came on staff, you were a little kid. That's, That's right. right. I, I was, was thinking say, you yeah. were Benjamin. I was, was yeah. Yeah. I was like nine months old when the church started. Yes, mm-hmm. you were nine months okay. old when the church 90, started. 90, got it. All right, so now you can pick between two and eight. The number's right. two and eight. Pick a number between two and eight. Does it really matter? Yep, pick a I number. Five. All right, favorite meal for him? I'll start. Uh, I, I, yeah, mm, that actually is tough. I really like uh, any kind of fried chicken. Yeah, People know that. I like know Popeyes. That. I'm a big Popeyes guy. I also really like anything spicy. So hot wings. I guess that's also fried chicken. So that's what's the really. name of the place in Atlanta you like the hot chicken? Oh, I do like that. Hattie B's, uh, which is Nashville hot chicken. Um, you know, there's Joella's here, which is good, but it's uh, no Hattie B's. So Hattie B's is uh, on Moreland Avenue. It's great. Mm. So I'm a, yeah, no, I'm yeah. All right. Jason's favorite meal. Favorite meal. Uh, it's it's a toss up between probably my most favorite. I love hot wings as well, mm-hmm. um, but I'm particular about you know my my places that I get them. And I'm in mourning right now because my favorite place shut down. Oh, Duff's. Duff's. Yes, that was my absolute favorite joint to go have wings, and they are no longer and, and not coming so back. They're not coming not back. Coming and that was that was tough. This that COVID nineteen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> curse you. But all right, uh, now so Jason, you yeah. can pick. Two, three, four, six, seven, eight. Let's go with eight. All right, this is good. Oh, no. I'm afraid the that's r- not going to be true. The rest were terrible. That's so. not going to be true. What are you deeply grateful for right now? Oh, so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to affirm that was inauthentic. Yeah. <laughs> deeply grateful for right now. Um. You know, I I am grateful that my uh, how do I say this? My home, my family, the relationships that I have in my house are so life giving and and positive. And I and the reason I say that is because probably because of what I do. I know a lot of people for whom that is not true. Mm-hmm. That that home is a difficult place for them to be, not because anybody's fault, but because of the dynamics that go on, because of some of the history that's happened, some sure. of the some of the bad things that have happened in people, and the, the the challenges that some people have just to be at home with these people that they're, we're supposed to love the most. Um, I just know a lot of people who don't have that, and I go home every day and. My, I got two girls, both teenagers, and when when I tell people I got two teenage girls, they go, "Oh boy, <laughs> it must be crazy at your house." And I go, "No, I have two of the most amazing, just great kids, and it's not in spite of me." <laughs> and 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 so they're they they love being with me still for the most part. <laughs> that we still appropriately so appropriately I mean, yes, they're yeah. still teenagers, but you know I. My wife and I, we're, we're not perfect, but we, we love each other. We like, we're still best friends. We love being together. So isolation at my house, it's been really great in some respects. Now, there's some things that aren't good uh, just because isolation is not great for the soul over a long, sure. uh, t- over a long time. But I've, I have, it has been an enriching experience, and I'm thankful for that because I know, as I said, it's not that for everybody, and in, in that way, I've been very blessed. How about you, Jason, Nathan? Uh, same thing, probably is what I'd say. I think, uh, I think just lately, uh, our family is just gelling very well together. I, uh, I think most people who've listened to podcasts know, but my wife and I were foster parents, and so we have mm-hmm. three girls who have been in our home for about coming up on a year now. And, um, you know, things it, it, it takes a while with all of that for everyone to kind of bond, and by no means is – the process done. Uh, I think for me, uh, I want to rush through everything. That's my nature. Efficiency is my number one goal in everything. How quickly can something happen? How how you know how well can it be done quickly? And um, 
it's a long process, but I feel like these days everyone is really bonding and, um, you know, all of them are seeing one another. All my children are seeing each other's sisters, and uh, Jennifer and I are really connecting during all this. We have a, a routine together where we have time together in the mornings before I, I leave and time at the end of the day. And so, yeah, I think everything is – that's probably what I'm most grateful for. Cool. Well, I'm going to stop with that. I appreciate you guys tolerating my now I want to know what the other question is. Well, I will have more that's apparently for another time, time. time comes around. I'll have another full eight. Wow. I'll replace the three that you've given me. <laughs> Great. See now I'm gonna do that so I don't have to be the one. There you go. Oh. I'm gonna That's what's gonna now become the top. The I think top it's gonna be interrogation yeah. as as yeah. our I, ending. You know, I'm a relational person. You, you are. guys know, and I like I like knowing people and sure. understanding that kind of stuff. So that I have some other ones that I I would have been interested in knowing. Some of them I knew the uh, answers to, but I thought they would like to know, and yeah. some of them I didn't. Know all the all you to. people out there. So this week we go back into new normal. I, I'm not the host here, but I'm, I just took over. That's my nature. Go ahead, Ed. I'm sorry. Go it ahead, is Jason. new normal. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is we're time to be done. It is, uh, it is time to wrap up. So, yeah, so Nathan's going to preach to us on Sunday, so yeah. we look forward to that, yeah. and I uh, look forward to you joining us. Yep. On this channel, which you're going to subscribe to on yep. YouTube. Subscribe and tell others. Yes, right. Yep. Sunday, 1030. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.